Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Your word is not just another book. Your word is living and powerful. And today, Lord, as we look at your word, open our hearts to hear what you are saying. But more than that, Lord, this theme, one of the themes that you've given us for this year, teach us to walk in your ways. I love the way Moses said it. Lord, we, if we're going to walk in your presence, we need to know how to walk in your ways. We know how, need to know how to live. So, Lord, just give us that understanding. But more than that, give us the strength to do, to obey what you're showing us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Tending kingdom relationships. Let me ask you a question. Do you attend a church? I guess that's okay. I guess that's all right. There's a difference between being religious and living authentic relationships in the kingdom of God. God's word gives us clear guidelines about tending our relationships in his kingdom, in the church and also in the kingdom of God. But more than that, God's life and power are resident in us to transform not only our lives, but how we relate to one another. So we need to learn how to live and maintain what God has given us. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians 4, he says, maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He doesn't say try to achieve unity. We already have unity. If the spirit of God lives in me and the spirit of God lives in you, we have unity. The question is, are we going to cooperate with it or are we going to work against it? Is it true? Sometimes because of the insecurity of my heart or the insecurity of your heart, we do things that push people away and hurt other people. We actually work against what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our hearts. I preached a message many years ago about uh, being a Christian with a porcupine suit on. How many of you have ever pet, petted a porcupine? I don't recommend it. But sometimes we have these little quills that keep pe other people away from us, that push people away. We do things. We reject people because we're feeling rejection in our heart, okay? Or we, uh, we push people away because we're afraid they're going to get too close, and if they really see who we are, then they're going to reject us. They're not going to approve of us. They're going to judge us. None of those are options, by the way, if we're going to attend kingdom relationships. Isn't that true? So here's the thing. Do you attend a church, or are you part of a dynamic 24-7 community of people who love God and one another and care for each other? Which one do you want to do? There are a lot of people that just attend a church. They're consumers. They show up and they want something done for them. They may put a little money in the offering plate. That's the ticket price. To hear good music and good preaching, and there are some connoisseurs of good preaching out there. They'll show up and they like to hear a good message, and usually 10 minutes after they leave the church building, because the church leaves the building, right? We are the church. When we leave, we are the church scattered all over the place. And they forget what they've heard. James says that. We're like people that look in a mirror and we forget our reflection just moments after we walk away. So we need to be a dynamic community of people who love God and one another and care for each other. Yesterday, I was sitting down with these guys at a table in the morning at our men's group, our men's breakfast. And I'm sitting there with these three other guys. We usually get in tables of four. And I hear these guys opening up their hearts. And there was such honesty. And I thought, this is what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like. With trust and honesty and saying, I need help with this. I, I really, can you pray for me about this? 
That's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be that kind of community. So the Apostle John answers the question that we asked, and here it is, can we love God and not love the people around us? There are a lot of people that love God, but they just don't love the people around. They're connoisseurs of good theology, and yet the Bible says you can't love God, and you can't love the things of God and hate people. 1 John 2, 9 says, if anyone claims I'm living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in the darkness. Anyone who, lo- who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble, but anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. So that begs the question, how do we love the people around us? How do we practically love one another? Because it's easy to love God. He's perfect. But the people around us aren't perfect, are they? There's a little video we're going to watch here at this point, if you could hit that. You get the message, don't you? (laughs) Nobody's perfect, including the family to the left of you, the right of you, in front of you, and behind you. The point is, we play religious games, don't we? It's real easy to love God, and it's easy to love the the idea of a loving father. But when it comes right down to loving the imperfect people around us, it can be a challenge. And if we we show up at church, now, let's be honest, how many of you have had mornings worse than that? How many of you never even made it to church? You gave up at some point. I mean, come on. But the point is, is that, you know, we, we have this culture where everybody rushes to this building and puts on a mask when really God is calling us to live in community and honesty with one another. That's why he says in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, stop lying to one another. Stop lying to one another and speak the truth in love. Interesting, isn't it? Romans chapter 12. Paul says this. He says, don't just pretend to love others. I love this in the New Living Translation. Don't just pretend to love others. Why would Paul say that? Because people were doing it. They were putting on a mask and pretending to love the people around them. Are you part of a community where if you're really hurting or grieving, you can go to them and say, I'm having kind of a dark day. Can you just sit with me? And uh, my heart's hurting. Can you pray for me? I love what happened last week. I guess as a pastor, I could say, where's Shelly? She wasn't sitting in the service. But God had different plans for Janice and Shelly, and I'm glad you got real, and I'm glad you shared that. That's powerful. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. God wants to create a culture of honor in us. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. By the way, there's a lot of stuff here. We're going to take several weeks to break this all down. We're going to just start today. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Let me translate that for you. No clicks in the church. I've been in churches where they're actually, the clicks have territory. 
church kitchen, sound booth, usher's room, okay? People hang out there and they have their own agendas. We don't have that here, okay? Yes, hallelujah. Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable and do all you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. That's having an unoffendable heart. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, I believe in the broader context, if you look at the context of what Paul is, is breaking out here, he's giving you practical examples of how to really love one another and not just pretend that you're loving one another. I see 15 ways in these two chapters, chapter 12 and 13, that need to define our kingdom of God relationships. So God's invited us. We talked about this last week, how God's invited us into the very throne room by the lamb. Remember that? We look at our sin and we go, Lord, how can you love us? And he points at the lamb and he says, have you seen, what my, have you seen my son? Do you know what he's done? That's the basis of our relationship. God calls us into that fellowship that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have. And he says, this is what I want you to share with one another. This is what I want you to live in and walk in with one another. I think this is one of the most important messages for the church to hear, especially in this season. So we're just going to start this morning with a couple of these. Go to the next slide there, Kurt. So let's look at this. Don't just pretend to be fake, but really love people. Paul says this because that was a temptation to do that. Religious people are religious because they believe that God is one way in this building and he's another way in your house. And that's why I wanted to show that video. So we get to church and we put on a face like everything's okay, but a lot of us live in chaos in our homes, don't we? Because we haven't brought the order of Christ to our homes. We haven't really pressed into that. We have a way of being fake. And religious means that we act in a way that has very little to do with what really is going on in our life. We can be pretenders. We hide in darkness the things that we don't want people to see. We fear if people really knew who they were, they would reject us. And that's why we're not real with one another. I have to be honest with you. I'm a pastor. I've been walking with the Lord for 40 years, and sometimes I see things, I see myself doing things out of my own insecurity, and I think, God, I can't go there. I can't live that way. Where you want to boast and say, you know, start making yourself to be more than you are. Have you caught yourself doing that? Those are things that push other people away. And we need to learn to create a culture of honor, a culture of humility that says we really care for others. We put the needs of others over ourselves. That's what God wants to do in this church. I think that's what he wants to do all over the church, where we learn to honor other people and we learn to put them uh, before ourselves. Hiding behind a mask is not an option for kingdom relationships. He also says that essentially what he's saying is we need to learn to live out the one another's of Scripture. And I've talked about this before. I think there are over 30 one another's in the New Testament. 
Just a couple here. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Somebody asked me, why do we do that thing where we break after communion and we all go and bless one another? Well, that's actually one of the early traditions of the church, but that's a moment in time where we need to speak words of blessing and encouragement to one another. Most of us don't hear encouraging things throughout the week. Sometimes the place, I hope you do, I hope you're in a place where you hear good things, okay? But sometimes we hear a lot of criticism, we hear a lot of negative things. The church needs to be a place where people hear words of life, where we can build one another up in our most holy faith. How do you do that? You speak the very words that God is giving you to other people. The Lord gave me a word for Tom yesterday. Can I say it? Can I embarrass you in front of everybody? I'm picking on David. I might as well pick on Tom. I said, you know what, Tom? I said, I don't think I've ever asked you to sweep up in the cafe after the men's breakfast. Every week, he goes and gets the broom and the dustpan, and he cleans everything up. Nobody ever asked him to do that. I said, that is so awesome. I appreciate your servant heart. And it was hard for you to take that, I could tell, because guys aren't used to saying stuff like that to one another. Can we be honest about it? It's true. And yet that's what the Lord is teaching us. We need to learn to build one another up, encourage one another. We need to speak words of life to one another. That's what loving one another means. In Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sometimes a word from a brother or sister that is full of the love of God can change somebody's heart from becoming hardened to sin and turning towards Christ. Have you ever seen that? I've seen that in a moment. Hebrews 10.25, let us not give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I was in a conversation about a year ago with Bishop Johnson over at the House of the Lord. He said something. He said, have you noticed that in the season that we're in, he said, people used to draw in closer when things got tough in their lives. Now people are withdrawing to their own places where they want to be alone. And yet scripture tells us when things get tough, when things get hard, what do we need to do? We need to press into fellowship and not away from fellowship. We need to press into those kingdom relationships. Why? Because the Lord tells us we need one another. There are a lot of people out there in the world that say they serve Jesus. They, have, they want nothing to do with the church. And I've asked some of them, I say, well, why is it that you're holding back? Why? And they say, well, I've been hurt. Folks, I need to confess, I don't do family anymore. I was hurt in a family once. It's a joke. Listen, the people that are closest to you will hurt you sometimes. Love is a full-contact sport, whether it's marriage, whether it's the church, whatever it is. The closer people are, the more potential they have to hurt you. But we can't draw back from relationships simply because we make mistakes. As a matter of fact, that's why the Lord's Prayer says that we need to forgive those that have sinned against us. As a daily prayer, daily, we need to release those that sin against us. I'm glad to say I don't have to release offenses every day, but I do have to ask God to forgive me every day. I loved it. Some, I won't mention anybody's name, but somebody said not too long ago in a meeting I was in, they said, you know, I've, just, I've broken all the Ten Commandments. I'm thinking, they killed somebody? And the next thing they said out of their mouth was they said, you know, in my heart, I've been so angry with people, I know I've murdered people in my heart. See, we have this funny thing about being religious, don't we? We condemn other people, but the fact of the matter is all of us have committed all of those sins. 
Ouch is right. This is not an amen moment. That's an ouch moment. Is that true? God wants to transform our hearts, but he can't do it unless we're honest with one another. Go to that last one at the bottom there. It says, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. There's a connection between the healing of the heart and soul and even the body with our willingness to be open with one another and honestly confess our faults one to another. Where do we do that in the church? Shelly, thank you for being courageous this morning. You did that this morning. And I think God, that actually cements the work of what the Lord is doing in your heart, but it also releases that blessing to other people in the church because we're all struggling. All of us have a frontier right now. I want to tell you right now, there's a frontier in your heart where the Lord Jesus Christ is taking back land from the enemy. Some of you don't know what it is. Most of you can tell me because we've talked a lot about that in this church, but I think you should be able to tell people this is the frontier in my life right now. This is where I'm living. This is where the Lord is taking back land. I am working on having an unoffendable heart. That's a big frontier. <laughs> it is. And then he says this, take delight in honoring one another. God wants to create a culture of honor in the church. Now, really, if you think about it, only God is truly worthy of honor. And yet, when Jesus walked the earth, he honored his disciples. Think about how he lived before them. God wants to create a culture of honor. This begins again with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus, at his baptism, goes into the water and he comes out, and what happens? The whole family is there to honor him. The Holy Spirit appears like a dove. And the Father says, this is my, my beloved Son, and I like the way the New Living Translation says, that really brings delight, brings del joy to my heart. Where did the enemy attack Jesus right after that when he went out into the desert? Satan says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, and Jesus thinks back, hey, I just had a talk with my family. <laughs> and the father told me he delights in me, so don't even come after me with that, Satan, if I was the son of God. Can I tell you, the Lord is saying the same thing to you today? Because the enemy's attacking you at the, at, the, at the point of sonship and daughtership. You are precious to the Lord. We talked last week. Let me just take a little aside. If you didn't hear the message last week, you need to go listen to it because I think it's wonderful. And I usually don't say that, but it's, it was really amazing. But there's one scene where the father is pointing at the lamb and says, do you see what my son has done? The enemy goes to condemn us and the Lord says, do you see my son, Jesus? There's the lamb. There's the blood. Oh, and by the way, this guy Michael and this woman Janice and this person scribe, they're all in Christ. They're there on the throne with the Lamb, right? But it goes on in Ephesians to say that he points to us, that the Lord actually points to us as a testimony of what Christ has done throughout the ages. It says that he literally demonstrates us to all the powers and principalities and says, look what my son has done. So the next time you have a 
temptation to judge somebody in the body of Christ or tear them down or gossip about them, you need to remember this. The Lord is saying, hey, he or she belongs to me. They're in the Lamb. They're in Christ. They're with me, seated in Christ in heavenly places. This is why God is so serious about unity, by the way, and this is what a culture of honor is all about. The Son honors the Father. He says, I do nothing apart from the Father. The Holy Spirit honors both Father and Son. The Holy Spirit is almost invisible, and I don't mean that in a, in a funny way, but he almost disappears in bringing glory and bringing the thoughts of the Father to the church. There's this amazing dance throughout all eternity in a way that we can't even understand, a Father honoring Son and Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit honoring the Father and the Son. This is the foundation of all fellowship, of our relationships and relational theology in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are inviting us into their family and saying, we want you to look like us. What parent doesn't want their children to look like them? And the Lord is saying, I want you to be like us. I want you to have the same honor for one another. That means that in the church, sometimes other people are getting the accolades and we're not being seen. Jesus says to his disciples, it's good for you that I go away. I'm going to step aside because the Holy Spirit is coming. It's his season now to take uh, this whole church where he wants it to be. And if I don't go, he is not able to come. Even in leadership style, it's, it, we need to learn this culture of honor where we can step aside and let other leaders lead. Does this make sense? There, right now, there's a lot of talk about apostles and prophets and leaders out in the church, and people are real impressed with titles sometimes. Real apostles usually are almost invisible. Did you know that? They don't rule over people. They are the last on parade, like Paul says. They are the ultimate servants. That's what Jesus modeled. That's what Paul modeled, isn't it? And that's the spirit he wants there to be in the church. We need to honor leaders. Don't get me wrong. But Jesus says, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, what do you do? You serve. Now, he just meant that when we were having a dinner, right? He meant it all the time. We need to lead by example. And we need to have this culture of honor. So Jesus models, you can go to the next slide there, this practical attitude of a servant by washing the disciples' feet. He who wants to be the greatest will be the servant of all. I said it earlier, but let me tell you a secret. I'm, I'm on the lookout for people God's calling people to be leaders, and who I'm looking for are the people that are willing to serve instead of people that always want to be served. I take note of those people. When we did, uh, when I was working with uh, university ministry many years ago, we, were, um, we had about 300 missionaries out in the field, and we would interview people to see if they would be approved. We didn't know all of these people personally. They, they were usually recommended. We would often take them out to dinner and watch how they treated the people that were serving them food. If they treated the wait staff uh, with respect and honor, if they treated people around them with honor instead of having an entitlement attitude, uh, that went in their record. That was a positive thing toward them being a servant leader. We would watch the way that husbands treated their wives 
Because the Bible says, if you don't have things together in your family, you shouldn't be a leader. This is all part of the culture of honor, folks. I know some really high-profile leaders out there that are pretty cruel to their spouses. I won't walk with them because there's something wrong with the ministry there. If you can't take care of your children and your family, how can you take care of the family of God? By the way, that, I didn't say that. That's out of Second Timothy, right? First Peter 5.5 5 says this, In the same way you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. Think about that. Dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. There's a, there's a war going on right now in our culture, many wars going on. One of the wars that's out there is the war between the sexes. And this has been created by people that want to make men and women at war with one another. This is not the design of God. Can I tell you that? So there's just been a big expose of this man that's been abused all these people. And I've got to tell you, do you remember the prophecies that we had up to a year ago that the Lord was going to reveal hidden things in our culture and bring a humbling and a leveling, that is happening, and we're not done with that. There's a lot more to come. The light of God is shining, and anything that is hidden in the darkness is going to be revealed. But I started thinking about that this week. So you have guys that are making sexually suggestive comments and activities and things that are inappropriate. And at the same time, you have women that are dressing in a way they're saying, my body, I can do whatever I want with my body. I'm proud of my body, and I can dress however I want, and I'm not responsible for any of your responses. Now, I've got to tell you, nobody deserves to be sexually harassed or abused. Did you hear what I'm saying there? Let me tell you what the kingdom of God says about the culture of honor. It says, possess your, King James says it this way, it's old-fashioned, possess your vessel in honor. What it says there is don't use your body in a way to defraud other people, and it says it to both men and women. It says to women, don't use the appeal that you have to seduce or to manipulate the men around you. Don't use your body as a weapon, and men don't use your strength to intimidate women. He even says that to husbands, doesn't he? He says, live with your wife as a weaker partner. It's not talking about, one guy said, yeah, she's just not as smart. Uh, just about sock. That was years ago, okay? I said, it's not talking about mental weakness there. It's talking about physical size and strength. And it's saying, you have the ability to intimidate your wife by your size because you're a man. Most men are bigger than women. It's not always true. But he says, you should not use your strength to intimidate and to try to hurt the people that are weaker. There's this culture of honor, this social contract that's been lost in our culture where men would honor women and women would honor men and the way that they related to one another. See, the world wants us to see this in terms of a war between the sexes. That's not God's design. That's Satan's design. And it's time to be honest about it, and it's time to learn to honor one another. Are you getting this about a culture of honor? When the world sees this, I think they're going to pay attention. 
When the world sees us walking in a culture of honor and a sincere love for one another, I think they, they'll pay attention and they'll say, that's, wow, that's different. This is what Jesus intended. This was, is what he wanted us to do. And we're going to stop there. We'll pick this up next week. Is the Lord speaking to you? Can we just take a moment and bow our heads? Lord, let your word have full effect in our hearts. Lord, I don't know about other people, but I know about me, and I'm guessing that we're all pretty much the same. And that is, sometimes I've been pretty religious. I'm a recovering Pharisee. Remember when Greg did that skit, Lord, a couple years ago about the Pharisees Anonymous? I feel like we all qualify for that club, Lord. We're, we're coming out of a religious attitude, and we're learning to be real with you and with one another. God, just help us. Help us to know how to walk. Help us to unlearn those things, Lord, that we've learned, that fakeness, putting on a mask, automatically saying when people say, how are you doing? Put on that big smile and say, hey, Jesus is good, isn't he? And Lord, help us to create a culture of honor. Can you just with me right now, just in your own heart, ask the Lord to forgive you for the times you've dishonored other people in the body of Christ? There are times when the enemy will even slander people that we love in our minds. The Bible calls this vain imagination. The enemy will slander, and we'll start running the program in our heads. Why, that person, they probably don't like me. Well, this is what's wrong with them. And we just start judging them in our hearts. I feel like the Lord is saying this. The culture of honor says that we expect the best out of the people that we love and the people that we walk with, and we defend their honor. Even if we read something in the newspaper, we say, I need to talk to them. I'm not sure if that's true. I'm going to stand by them until I find out otherwise. And even if they are broken, I'm going to help them through it. How many of you would say to me today, and we, we can open your eyes, How many of you would say, I need to learn to walk in in that realness, in that authenticity? We just all stand together. Can I lead us in a prayer? I think when we speak things out together, there's something powerful about making a proclamation. Would you just repeat after me? Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me for being false at times and being religious instead of being real. Help me to be honest with you, O God. Help me to walk with honor toward my brothers and sisters. Teach me to walk in the light as you were in the light. Forgive me for judging others and not seeing my own sin. Help me to create a culture of honor in my home, in my church, where I work, the people I walk with, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can we just lift our hands and worship the Lord? Thank you, God. Lord, let your word work in our hearts, O God. Let your word work deep in our hearts, God. Let this word that you're giving to us become a part of who we are. 
And Lord, teach us day by day. Let your Holy Spirit activate this word in us. But also, Lord, let the light of your truth shine on us that we can see those areas we may not be aware of. God, move things out of the way so that your love can just flow in a powerful way in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. Closing statement. This week, we had to redo the bridge under our driveway. We had so much flooding and silt that it all got clogged up, and we had to put all this new stuff in. And some of you know Lou uh, from Hudson Concrete. Lou Estragall came out and did it. And, of course, everything's a spiritual allegory for Lou. He's out there working on this whole thing. And there was this moment, uh, I think it was on Wednesday, where all the silt was removed and all this, he had dammed everything up, and all of a sudden this water came flowing through. And one of the guys that was working said, look at the fish. There were fish everywhere, all largemouth bass. And they were all over. Some of them were like four and five inches. We've never had fish like that. But all this stuff was moved out of the way. All this dam was moved. And I felt what the Lord was saying as we were praying is I move things out of your heart. The river of life is going to flow and you will become the river of life. And there is life giving. The fish are going to come. Does that make sense? There's an allegory to go with. So let's go in the blessing of the Lord and let's live this out in the name of Jesus. God bless you.